Welcome to the Vulture TV Podcast. I'm your host, Gazella Mami. On this week's show, we're talking TV theme songs and opening titles. I'm here with New York Magazine TV critic Matt Solar Sites. Hi, Gazelle. Hi, Matt. And Vulture TV columnist Jen Cheney. Hi, Gazelle. Hi, Matt. Hi, Jen. So, you know, when we talk about this, I mean, there are a lot of terms thrown around. I think when we talk about opening titles, that kind of includes the the music and the artistry and all of all of that and how that all comes together. But our prompt we wanted to start off with is just TV theme song. So what is just, what is the TV theme song that, that just, if you had to pick your favorite, what would it be? Just purely based on the music. Well, I, (laughs) I'm dating myself by saying this and I'm, and I'm revealing myself as a, as a hopeless romantic and also a student of obscure popular culture. But there was a show came on and I think it was 1978 or 79 called Angie. I remember Andy. And it starred Donna Pescow and Robert Hayes. And I don't remember anything about this show. I was a kid when it aired, but I could I could sing you the entire theme song right now and I won't do it because people may be eating. But uh, <laughs> but I think it is one of the greatest theme songs in the history of television. And and I heard it when I was a little kid and I and it is lodged in my brain. And there are there are theme songs to TV shows right now that are actively on the air that I that don't that I don't have in my mind as vividly as I do this uh, theme to Angie. You can't sing it for us. Sing a little bit. <laughs> no. Just a little. It's a uh, let the time flow. What, what? Let the time go. Let the love flow. Let the rain shower. Let the roses flower. Love is faithful. Love is blind. Uh, God, I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's a great song. It's a great song. <laughs> It's really cheesy and great. (laughs) See, I feel like the 70s and 80s were really the the golden era of theme songs because there were great ones, but they also would like actually chart, you know, they they became like radio hits and and pop hits in a way that that doesn't really happen very often Mm -hmm. anymore. My choice is a personal one, and it is the theme from Sanford and Son, (laughs) Um, (laughs) written by Quincy Jones, uh, because A, it's just great, Um, B... At my wedding, our wedding party entered to the theme from Sanford and Son. What? <laughs> because it was like, and then they would announce, and a new person would come in, and it was very lively. And then my husband and I entered to the theme from What's Happening, which is another really good one. Yes, that's another great one. You know, at the very end, Dwayne's running after the truck or whatever. Yeah. So um, neither of them have words, but uh, it has that great ba- that big bounce and bass that bow. Yes, the bow. Bow. <laughs> bow. It does. I mean, both yeah. of those songs. Just even thinking about them now make me very happy. Yeah. So, wow, Jen. The image of them playing basketball in slow motion helps immensely, <laughs> and it really goes with a bow, bow. <laughs> I just love that. Your wedding music were TV theme songs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, one of my bridesmaids was like, why are we walking into Sanford and Son? Like he ran like a trash dump. Are you saying we're trash? I'm like, no, that's the best song in the world. You should be like <laughs> delighted to walk into that. So. So so my choice, my first choice is a bit of a newer one, which, you know, we tend to think as we're talking about theme songs is 
catchy songs that you can kind of often sing along to, not necessarily always. But my choice would have to be the theme song for Transparent. And it just makes me cry every time I hear it. And it's so tender and somehow captures all these complicated feelings about family in just less than a minute. And I just love it. And other than that, I think if I was looking at kind of more traditionally catchy theme songs, I'd have to go with Three's Company and the classic Cheers, which when I first heard these as a kid, I thought they were the most magical songs I'd ever heard. There's something about the songs from that era that that can't be matched. That is this week's prompt. Listeners, if you would like to weigh in or let us know what your favorite TV theme song is, email us at tvquestions at vulture.com. Next up, we're talking opening titles. We'll be right back. So so this topic was actually inspired by a question from one of our listeners, Diego Bayon. And Diego wrote, I was wondering if you guys could do an episode on TV intros, talking about the ones you sit through every time and the ones you always skip. I love how Twin Peaks puts you in that very particular mood, and Gilmore Girls wouldn't be the same without that Carol King sing-along. I always watch True Blood's intro, but I tend to skip The Sopranos for some reason. So I definitely agree with Diego about The Sopranos. I always skip that. I didn't really? skip it. I never skipped it. <laughs> I never skipped it. I felt like uh, the, the journey, the literal journey that it takes you on where you, you know, you're leaving New York and you're in New Jersey and you end up at Tony's house. I felt like that was essential for me. I mean, I understand if people don't want to sit through the credits uh, every single time, but for me that was like a... It was like an it was like a palate uh, cleanser before you enter that world. Yeah, yeah. There, are, there are some shows where I would just never skip the theme song. Game of Thrones. I, I I'm not the world's biggest Game of Thrones I, fan, but I love that opening credit oh, sequence. I always have to skip it. Do you? I mean, I don't always get to because I'm watching with other people, but right. I always want to skip it because it's so long. Yeah, I used to yeah. skip it, and then when I was recapping it for us last uh, season. I would always watch it and take like meticulous notes because it is it's a roadmap right of a literal map of what's going to where we're going to go in this episode. And I and I love titles that do that that are sort of they're not only getting you in the mood but they're actually kind of laying some narrative groundwork for where where the show is going. Yeah, Big Little Lies kind of did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a way mm-hmm. where we didn't even know that it was kind of alluding to the finale. Right. Um, yeah, that's true and The Wire I think is probably my favorite somewhat recent example of a show doing that. And in fact, I did a series of video essays with my friend Kevin Lee, which are online at the Museum and the Moving Image website if anybody wants to watch them. But they analyze the credits to all opening uh, to all five seasons of The Wire. If you walk through the garden, you better watch your back. And um, they talk about how they change and why they change and what what plot uh, what thematic and plot aspects are basically uh, 
predicted or foretold by what is in those credits. Mm-hmm. And there are many, many – I mean all through those seasons, they're t- – you know, the season one, they're essentially kind of summarizing the world. But they are using images from the episodes of the show that you're about to see and they continue to do that. And it also is a great example of – I don't know that another – I can't think of another show that's done this where where the opening credits change from season to season in a way that it reflects how the show itself is changing. Well, like, Crazy you know, Girlfriend kind of has done that, but it's only been two seasons. It's only been two seasons. Yes. But in this one, they had like the opening cre- – the first show was about the cops, basically cops and drug dealers. And the opening credits are cops and drug dealers. And then the second season, they add this other layer, which is about the docks and, and, and sort of the distributors, how the drugs get into the country. And there are elements from that doc storyline that appear in the opening credits. In the third season, they add the police department administration and city hall. And those are added. But the other elements continue to exist. Like they never get rid of the other elements. So Mm -hmm. and then season four, they add the public schools and season five, they add the media and they add images of characters who died in the previous seasons, which is interesting, which foreshadows, you know, one, one actually more than one major death in season five. And so really, like when you look back on those credits, they're handing you the show. They're handing you the entire season of the show. And I'm kind of grateful, actually, that The Wire predated the recap culture mm-hmm. as we now know it. Like, like you know, the the final season of that show, I think it aired in 2007 or 8? Something like that. Something like that. And, and uh, that was a t- probably two or three, maybe three, four years before everybody started doing recaps and they started doing next day analysis of every single tiny little detail, like the kind of thing that we do on Vulture. And I'm really glad because I think people would have been all over that and they would have pounced on the opening credits of The Wire the second it appeared because people would have learned. (laughs) And then they probably would have ruined every single thing that happened in the season that was coming up. And I wouldn't have been able to avoid it because I'm on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right. Veep does that a little bit where the credits change each Mm -hmm. season and – And they're different imagery, obviously, of Selena, but like different headlines and things like that and like trending yeah. downward and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. um, you know, I feel like I guess it was maybe three years ago I did a piece looking at opening titles um, for The Washington Post and interviewing, talking to some of the companies that make these. And they just uh, this may not be a golden era for TV theme songs, but I do think it is for titles because mm-hmm. there there's so much care and, and meticulousness that goes into just how these things are made. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. Yeah, they have, there are particular uh, shows uh, that uh, really turn it into – it's almost like a little alternate abstract version of the show. You know, like right. uh, like one of my favorite examples of that is uh, Six Feet Under. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dexter, I think, had a excellent opening credits that were not just sort of um, monotonously summarizing the the show you're about to watch, but they were sort of interpreting the show. And Mad Men's kind of a perfect example. I was going yeah. to say that because that yeah. that I mean that fostered debate from the very beginning about whether Don was going to die or kill himself or whatever right. based on what what was happening in those uh, Saul Bass esque uh, titles. Well, it's funny because I remember during season five, you know, one of the many ridiculously hilariously wrong predictions that people made, and I made my share too, uh, was that uh, Pete Campbell was going to commit suicide at the end of season one and become the falling man. Oh, in the right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like. No, he's not. That's not going to happen because it's not the kind of show where that happens. And and they just it was never the kind of show where that kind of thing happened, where it's like, oh, that's what that meant. Now I get it. 
Right. You know, yeah. they never did that. They just that's not that's not what it was. Well, Pete did fall down the stairs, though. So in a way, he did. So <laughs> it in was a way, so in a way, well, somebody did kill themselves on the show, but it wasn't Pete, and it wasn't that way. Right. So, yeah, but uh, there are uh, there is a there is a, a you can tell a lot about a show by what it chooses to show you and how it chooses to show it to you in the opening credits, and it's really I think it's as, I think it's one of the very best ways to tell what kind of a show you're watching. Like mm-hmm. I think that Game of Thrones. The opening credits of Game of Thrones really does – it is so true to the show. It's such an accurate representation of the show you're going to get because it is about, as you say, Jen, a map. You know, it's a map. They're literally taking you from from point A to point B and as the show goes along, they keep adding locations. Right. They keep adding locations and, and also the sheer length of those credits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Twin Peaks might be close in running time to the opening cool. credits of Game of Thrones. It's like 90 seconds, right? Or two I, minutes or something. It's, it's I mean, I that, like it because I, I can like get up and like go get like a, a wine or whatever. Yeah, sure, sure, so. to get a snack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, well, that's the other interesting thing is that yeah. the company that does the Game of Thrones titles um, called Elastic, like they have to. It's not like they just do them, you know, and then they're done with it. They did it for season one, and then well, we're done with that project. Like they they have to revisit it every like over and over again. Yeah. So. Well, on the flip side, you have shows that have like incredibly short opening titles and but are just as just as effective at at least setting a mood or a tone like a show like Girls, where you just have the words, the word girls. But every time it's a different color and it's a different kind of note, like a different musical note that they hit and you don't Mm -hmm. know when it's coming. Right. And you're always kind of waiting to see when it's going to hit. And it totally kind of gives you a sense of like what is the feeling of this episode going to be mm-hmm. and i think jane the virgin is also really good at that and just kind of the titles popping up on the screen in in a way that kind of gets at the sense of humor of the show because it's always a little bit of a wink to the audience yeah um breaking bad was another great example of that yes. breaking bad i believe the opening credits of breaking bad were like 15 seconds long right and I have no idea if that was just purely a functional decision, but it, it did express the sort of show that it was, which is it's a plot show. It's a plot show and it's mm-hmm. about what happens next. And so the opening – it seems appropriate that the opening credits would be like, let's just get this over with because we know that you're here for the plot. And Lost was like that too, also mm. pretty plot driven. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. What are the ones that you guys cannot – like you have to watch? There are ones that I like – not only have to watch, but I have to sing along to them. And <laughs> Outlander is probably one of those. Oh, that's uh-huh. so funny. Sing me a song. That is gone. <laughs> it's just like, what else are you going to be singing those that's words? That's good. <laughs> that's good. And Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is probably another. Oh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend's a great one. I didn't like, look at this, so it changed from the first to the second seasons. And I didn't immediately love the second season ones. But by the end, of course, it just like, it, you can't help it. It's just it's so catchy. And mm-hmm. I think that show does a great job of kind of telling you what the themes are that the show is going to explore that season. Another one that I kind of is my guilty pleasure one is the Mindy Project. Yeah. Because it's not like good. It's kind of like, and it's like kind of cartoonish and goofy. It's but kind I just, of, yeah, it's I, catchy though. It's catchy. And I just like, I always look forward to it. Yeah. So yeah, those are the ones that come to mind for me. How about you, Jen? I always watch the titles for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Unbreakable, they alive. 
I love those. And that's another one where it's sort of, it's summarizing the show. It's almost like a previously on Kimmy Schmidt because it summarizes her kidnapping and getting out in a way. Um, yeah. But I just, but I also just love, love the song and females are strong as hell. I always have to get to that part. Uh, and weirdly, especially during the first season of it, the American Horror Story credits or titles mm-hmm. rather, which I guess, I don't know what that says about me because they were super creepy and oh, the babies. Great, yeah. But I, I had to like get into the mindset and I couldn't, even if I wanted to fast forward past it, I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. The American Horror Story credits are good. Um, they're really well done. And in fact, I would say that they are scarier than American Horror Story usually. Yeah, that's right. Um, there's something about them. There's something about the tone of them that's just really deeply unsettling. I like those. Uh, one of the ones that I um, – well, here's a short one. I mean it's so short that I don't even know if you could skip it if you wanted to, but it's the Goldbergs. I love that little tag. I mean, it's just it's very brief. It's probably not more than 15 seconds, but it really puts you in the mindset of, you know, 80s nostalgia trip. And it's also cheerful. It's just cheerful and upbeat. And I really, really like it. And uh, on I feel the, that way about Broad City, too. Just yeah, oh, similarly uh-huh. short, but like kind of this amazing vibe that it just that's a yeah, that's yeah. a good one. And then on the drama side of things, uh, the Americans. Oh, I love yes. the, the opening credits. The Americans are just wonderful. And it really. That, well, those had to grow on me a bit, but then yeah. now I really love them. Well, but they also have this feeling like it's not just the sort of like quote unquote Russian sounding orchestrations, which are definitely there, but also just the instrumentation of it. It's not like they're plucking the they're plucking the strings inside of a piano or something. There's some kind of very dissonant, scratchy thing mm-hmm. happening with that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then it gets to the end, and you hear a record scratching. Which is a, a very unsettling, uh, almost a horror movie kind of thing, mm-hmm. yeah. and and you know that's the sound like you know again that's an analog sound so subliminally it returns you to an analog era which is when this thing is set you know, but also the uh, that particular sound means that you have you're not you're not paying attention to the record and you've let it go to the end, you know yeah like it's a sign of like neglect or failure, almost. I'm kind of reading too much into it, probably. Well, no, I think it, you're, it fits the show in that way. Yeah. And, like, even if you are reading into it, it's because the show is, like, kind of allowing you to. Right. You know? Right. Uh, one that I kind of really didn't like and then came back around on was Orange is the New Black, which I, like, <laughs> yeah. had a bad reaction to But I love the first. idea of it. I Me think it's too. a wonderful idea. And now I actually like it and I actually do, like, kind of sing along and kind of feel it more like and i think the more you get into that show the more like the idea of it becomes very powerful mm-hmm. yeah uh, i like the look of it and, and the, i eventually got used to the music i'm not crazy about that song yeah mm-hmm. i'm not crazy about that song it's uh but uh, now i like it i think if they changed the song i think i would object mm-hmm. at this point totally yeah i agree right uh, one that i always skip or want to skip is House of Cards. I was just about oh, to mention House yeah. of Cards. That's interesting. <laughs> I like House of Cards. And in fact, I will say that House of Cards primes me to be excited for a show that I, I don't always find that exciting. You know, yeah, like I always I find Qu- House of Cards to be very watchable, but it's not like I'm. It's definitely a moody one. It's a very which, moody yeah, one. I like, I like that. There are ones that like Friday Night Lights, I consider like a mood Yes, I always watch that one too. Yeah, I love that. It kind of completely transports you into this different place. Yes. And House of Cards, I will say, does achieve that, Mm -hmm. even if I don't always like it. Yeah, I always feel like that 
it gets me in this mood and I feel like I should be watching it with the lights low. Like, mm-hmm. I, uh, but I also watch those credits because I live live in D.C. And so I'm right. like, I recognize that. Hey, it's not stadium. Like, you know, so yeah. I'm always kind of doing that a little bit. Mm. One of the ones from this season that I thought was really great are the opening titles for Feud. Um, oh, yeah. I mentioned Saul Bass oh, earlier, and those, those are, are very best. evocative of that. And uh, just the, the graphic imagery. Um, I thought those were really Really beautifully done. Who did those? Do you know? I do. Hold on one second. It's the same. It's prologue. It's the same people who do American Horror Story. I are think all of Ryan Murphy's who, shows, they do them. Are they the ones who did the uh, opening credits to the Steven Spielberg film Catch Me If You Can? Because they remind me they of They do remind me uh, of that. I don't know if they did Catch Me If You Can or not. But it's, I mean, it's again, it's all coming from the Saul Bass stuff. Right, you know, exactly. That era. Yeah, definitely. The relationship between the opening credits and the closing credits of a show is also an interesting one. Yes. Girls, I mean, they... Girls is always, I guess it's not really a relationship, but I find that they always open and close strongly in terms of like having a strong musical note to end on. Mm-hmm. And they Silicon do. Valley is similar to me in that way. Yeah, that's right. They do. One of my favorite combinations, uh, my favorite uh, basically uh, opening and closing credits was uh, on Deadwood. Uh, the opening credits of Deadwood did a great job of putting you in that time and place where they're showing you, you know, the... The prospector biting in the piece of gold and he's got those gnarly yellow teeth as he's biting into the gold and all that stuff. And then there's also that runaway horse. And the runaway horse, I think, is as ripe for interpretation as the falling man in the in the credits mm-hmm. of Mad Men. You know, what does that symbolize, this this horse? And, and uh, the final image of the horse is you see it from a low angle. It's standing over a puddle of water and it's it's. It is uh, look. You're looking at the horse and also the upside down reflection of the horse. What does that mean? <laughs> but it takes you into the 1800s, and then the final closing credits. They would always have a piece of music from the 20th century. So it was like they're 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 bringing you into the 1800s, and then you're in the 1800s for an hour, and then when you're done with that, they return you to the present day. Like it's like that piece of music that they choose. Like one, I remember one episode they ended with Bob Dylan's "Not Dark Yet." Mm-hmm. You know, like that's not necessarily the kind of music you would expect to hear as the closing credits for a western. But it feels like it fits. And uh, Bob Dylan did do the score to Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. So there is a precedent for hearing Bob Dylan music in a Western. But still, yeah. you know, I like it. I feel like I've entered the time tunnel. And then I, and then it's like, all right, time to exit the time tunnel and go, you know, do the dishes or whatever it is <laughs> right, you need to right. do. You said the upside down and that reminded me that we didn't mention oh, Stranger God, Things yet, yeah, which yeah. I was probably one of, if not the strongest opening title sequence of last year because uh, that – I mean, I was drawn into the show from the from the first scene, but the titles was where I was like, okay, they get the tone and, and the feel of, of that era and of what they're trying to pay homage to. That was sort of the that was persuasive same for me where moment. that was when I was like, this is a show I'm gonna want to watch. Mm-hmm. Just although sometimes you have a situation where the opening credits upstage the actual show, which I found to be the case with Westworld. Yes. True Detective season two. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the Westworld credits, I was not. You didn't like them? No. Oh, I liked the music a lot. Uh, and that's also by the Game of Thrones composer. <laughs> I was just like, this is taking too long. Come on. <laughs> I also thought the opening credits to Westworld, they sort of summed up the problems that I had with Westworld, right. which is like, oh, right. It's a player piano. You know? <laughs> right. The show right. is itself a player piano. I get it. <laughs> but then every single every single week you got to watch that. 
and go, yeah, it's a player piano. I get it. <laughs> you sound like, <laughs> you oh, sound right. like a host. Or I, yeah, well, yeah. you know, that's what they keep happening on the show is people keep like, ha- you know, living living a variation of the same story yeah. or, or having the same epiphany again and forgetting that they had it. So maybe, been, so maybe it's the perfect, I don't know, maybe that's the perfect opening credit sequence. That should have been a recap for every episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's a player piano. I get it. And that's it. Oh, oh yeah. It's like, Mr. So Short-term memory. it's like Mr. Short-Term Memory, that Tom Hanks character yeah, on Saturday yeah. Night Live. <laughs> he puts, puts, a, puts a piece of gum in his mouth and chews it, and he's like, ah, oh, and he spits it out. And he's like, how did that get in my mouth? <laughs> the opening titles for Mr. Short-Term Memory were pretty good, too. If they I were, correctly. yes. <laughs> he's feel... Mr. Short-Term Memory. How... Wait, he shouldn't have said, under that pear tree. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we haven't looked at, like, the 90s, and, like, Friends is one that like I I love the I like always loved it growing up, but now I can't really watch it anymore. I can't stand it. I yeah. can't take it. I can't take it. Yeah. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Yeah, for exactly. Me. Yeah, and like now, like on TV, if you watch it, like on actual television, like I notice runs or whatever they never play them. They kind of uh, let them play, like because if you watch if you watch Friends on TV, it's usually like. There are back-to-back episodes of Friends playing. Right. Right. So they'll kind of blend in one episode into the next, and they won't even play them. No. Um, or they'll just have the tail end. There's like something a little cheesy about 90s credits, I feel like. I felt that. Yeah. Like, Felicity isn't a 90s show, but it's like early 2000s, which is kind of the same aesthetically. And I, as cheesy as it was, though, I always really liked it. Because J.J. Abrams wrote the theme song for Felicity. I didn't know that. <laughs> it's like, he did, was he? there was a theme song for season one, which was just like very moody, like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and then like, and then there was an actual theme song where it was like, can you become a new version of you? And like, J.J. Oh, Abrams wow. wrote this song. <laughs> and like, oh. it was so bad, but it also like, I was like, wanted to move to New York at that point, And the song was like, weirdly like... Something that like spoke to me in this way, but it's like super cheesy. <laughs> the best opening th- credit song is "Ad." I think of all time was the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Oh, oh yes, yeah. that's great. You know? Yeah, I mean, beat that. What's cheesy about what you're talking about, which was I think prevalent in the '90s and and in the '80s too, is that a lot of the opening titles were like hijinks. Look at us having hijinks yeah. and doing wackiness and and that kind of thing. And um, I don't know if you guys ever watched um. Uh, the greatest moment in television history, the series that Adam Scott did on Adult Swim. Do you know what I'm talking no. about? Yeah. Um, where where they, they hyped it up like it's going to be the greatest event in television history. And it was uh, Adam Scott and John Hamm like recreating shot for shot the Simon and Simon opening titles. Yeah, that was great. And then they did another one where it was heart, heart to heart with yeah. Adam Scott and Amy Poehler. And then they did, I think, Too Close for Comfort. And I forget what the fourth show was. There was a fourth one. And it was ridiculous because they hyped it up so much. But for some reason... Like I was rewatching the Simon and Simon one this morning, and it just cracks me up every it's time because it's ridiculous. The it things that they're doing are ridiculous. Their expressions. Well, there, there was a whole like that whole kind of kind of there. There aren't really any shows like that except for maybe like Happ and Leonard, sort of weirdly, mm-hmm. of of just uh, shenanigans. Just shenanigans. It's like it's an action show, but it's not like a dark, gritty, bloody action show. It's more like a daring do. You know, and mm-hmm. like the and the character, the main characters are are they're funny and they're lighthearted and they banter and stuff like that. Um, and speaking of that, um, Starsky and Hutch, the way that the opening credits of Starsky and Hutch change was interesting. And I believe that in the first season, it was a really hard hitting 
serious sounding like the French connection kind of sound. Like it was a really like, here we are in the, on the mean streets. Uh, oh, these streets sure are mean. Look out here. The more mean people are coming. I mean, it was really like mean. <laughs> and then uh, the show was a hit. But the reason it was a hit was because David Soul and Paul, and, and, uh, Paul Michael Glazer were really good looking guys and they looked great in leather jackets and they were funny. And so they came back and I think it was like season two or three where they had this like very, 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 very cheesy, funky theme. And it wasn't anything like that earlier theme. It was like they realized like it was as if the audience had told them what kind of show they were actually making. It's like, oh, this isn't the French Connection. This is a Burt Reynolds movie, practically, mm-hmm. you know, right, right, right. where it's like the whole point is, look at those two handsome guys being jerks. And aren't they funny? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, and now we're kind of in this much more like prestige era of television, which also equates to more kind of big budget opening titles. I mean, for example, you know, the new season of the of the Leftovers, Damon Lindelof has mentioned that they did not create a new opening title song because they had a different opening title song for season one and season two. So for the third one. They didn't end up doing that because the budget was just they just didn't have the budget to do it. So like these these are like these are questions. I I don't know if that would be the case in a previous time, maybe. But Mm -hmm. um, I feel like before they they would just use the same ones over and over again and a lot of times just make minor, minor visual changes. But they didn't change them too much um, season to season. They would sometimes reorchestrate them slightly. Yeah. They would add, like, you know, they would add an element or two or subtract an element or two from it. I know that that uh, TV theme songs that uh, I know this from writing TV, the book with Alan Seppenwall, that um, sometimes a show would change it a little bit and they would change it a little bit based on like they change like the show moved to a new location or a major cast member on the show is not around anymore or something right. like that. And one example is uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show. They changed. I think they subtracted a lyric in uh, uh, season two or three. They, you know, they they they'll do things like that. They'll do things like that. But I but I also appreciate uh, one that's consistent where it's just uh, they they know what they want to do and they they stick with it. Well, like they stick with it. It has changed a little bit uh, over the years, but The Simpsons stayed the same for a long, yeah. long, mm-hmm. long time because it's animated and nobody ages, uh, right. and and they didn't really need to reinvent it. Yeah, I wonder what precipitated that. Maybe changing, maybe maybe when everything was sixteen sixteen by nine or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but also uh, South Park is another example of you know they've changed the instrumentation and they've changed the entire opening credits are different. Mm-hmm. They're different. Like the animation style is different. What happens is different, and the and the 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 instrumentation of that theme song is different. Mm-hmm. I do remember kind of looking forward to like with a new season of a show like Friends where the kind of the images that they use would be different from season to season because more stuff had happened to these people. So you were seeing right. more recent shots of them. And I would always like look forward to seeing what would be the new shots they would include. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you really – you don't really see that anymore. That kind of style has faded out a bit. No, yeah. and in fact, I think that streaming has has uh, really dealt a severe blow to the tradition of the opening credits song because the way that they just autoplay they endlessly cycle from one episode to the next even within seasons right netflix does that Mm -hmm. yeah and it creates it creates a seamless viewing experience if you want to sort of experience like 
It's interesting how watching a television show now, it's like you've turned on the faucet in your sink and you can just let the water run as long as you want. And then when you decide to turn the water off, you do. But otherwise, it just keeps running. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a new thing. And only only new technology has made that possible. I like opening credits. I like opening credits. And I think that they are important. I think they're an important part of the experience. And I know that some people would skip them anyway, but I usually don't. I usually don't. Like, even if I'm pressed for time, I actually feel a twinge of an, uh, annoyance or regret if I'm having to watch a bunch of episodes of a show back to back, as I was this morning. I I mapped out my time and I realized, all right, I got to watch four hours of this show before I come to tape the podcast. And, each, and I have four hours to watch it and each episode is 50 minutes. So I can't waste any time. I yeah. got to jump right on this. And I was yeah. tempted to skip the opening credits. And it was like, I, but I can't. I like them. <laughs> but I had to. I had to to make my deadline. But it's like I felt like I wasn't getting the proper experience skipping those opening credits. But then I'm a person who if they if I'm at a movie theater and and they're not and they're cropping the image improperly, I'll go complain to the management. I'm that guy. <laughs> I've been actually known to like go, I've actually asked permission to go like reset a television in the gym or in a bar because they're using motion smoothing. Oh, I'm, I've I, asked, I'm yeah. the mortal enemy I've of asked, motion smoothing. I've done that behind my friend's back to their TV because I couldn't stand <laughs> it. It's like this can't. I just couldn't do it anymore, and they didn't seem to understand what I was saying. So I was right. like, "I'll just fix this for you." <laughs> I think there's, I think there's something significant about this, about this decline of the opening credits uh, uh, sequence, like the fact that it's now considered an indulgence. Like you're sort of making a statement if you have a very elaborate, right. thought out um, opening credit sequence that's kind of an important part of the experience, and it's a way of almost aligning yourself in an earlier era of television because. No, now television is called content. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is called content. And I think the way we experience TV increasingly now is like it's the difference between, you know, ordering a meal in a restaurant and sitting and waiting for it and then it is delivered to you as opposed to buying a giant bag of chips and eating them. And it's like, do I want to finish this whole bag or do I want to save some for later? I'll just finish the bag. Oh, look, there's another bag. I'm going to open that one. <laughs> that's kind of what it's like. It's yeah. like like tel- all of television well, has become a bag a of chips. A binge. That's yeah. right. It's very true. That's what we're doing. Well, that's I mean, it's doing. true that it's much easier to skip them now, and people are more inclined to do that. But at the same time, as we started off saying, like, there are more elaborately done title sequences now than there ever have been because yeah. there's more shows, and and I do think they're putting more care into them. So it's like it's kind of both things at the same time yeah yeah it's everything i think the sm- i think the smart thing to do would be like some of the shows that we've discussed here just if you want people to not skip your opening credits i think everybody has to start just putting new information in the opening credits mm. where you want to you know you have to watch it because you want to know like <laughs> oh, what's no. what's different this week <laughs> you said oh no i don't want that to <laughs> you don't want them to be. I was like, I don't have time for that. Sorry. <laughs> you don't want them to be mandatory, I don't want to ha- right? To have like a sub vertical of vulture where we have to analyze. Oh, I, here's my edits. <laughs> You're just thinking about, oh God, now I got to assign that too. <laughs> here's what needs to happen: every opening title sequence needs to be like too many cooks, where it just goes on for like 20 minutes and weird shit happens. You guys saw too many. Yeah, cooks, yeah, so yeah. That was great. Yes. That was great. It's just trolling us. Yeah, time. it never too be, many it never, cooks. It too never. many cooks. Well, there's some of the episodes of The Simpsons where they brought in guest animators have done something similar to that. Right. You know, like that. Uh, the The Guillermo del Toro opening was, you know, like basically a guided tour of the entire history of horror. Right. Via The Simpsons, which was great. 
But The Simpsons is a, it, even when they do that, it's still a relatively quick it is. title sequence. It is. So relatively it's not like quick. you feel like it's taken that long. Yeah, it would be like great West if they <laughs> like Westworld. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a player piano. Really? It is, <laughs> and the player piano plays itself. I got you covered. I got, the, <laughs> I got your interpretation. I I'm all set. You got no worries. When Matt's on the case, play your piano. <laughs> and that's your recap. Come back next week when the recap will say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for this week's show. This episode of the Vulture TV podcast is produced by Cameron Drews. Laura Mayer is our director of production, and Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. The Vulture TV podcast is part of the Panoply Network. I'm Gazella Mommy, and you can find me on Twitter at Gazellephant. I'm Matt Zoller Sites, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt Zoller Sites. And I'm Jen Cheney, and you can find me on Twitter at Cheney J. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.